Amén, buenos días hermanos Es un placer para mí, un gusto tan grande Oh, I'm sorry Did you need me to change the channel? Uh, it is such a joy, such an honor to be here this morning with all of you And I was really excited about this time I was just here uh, a few months ago And I got to spend a little bit of time with the church here And and we've been here this weekend with the board of Hope Worldwide and our executive staff, and uh, we're so grateful. We've, we, we've been the recipients of your southern hospitality, your love, and your support, and we're so grateful for that, grateful especially for the Browns uh, opening up their, their lives and their hearts for us, and of course the Ottenwellers, and Lynn has done such, such a fantastic job, and the McIntoshes just encouraged us last night. And uh, I, I'm just thankful, thankful for all the volunteers. And But more than anything, you know, we're just grateful for your support and your love over the many, many years. Uh, you, So many of you have been just incredible examples and lights over the years of support and encouragement all around the world. You know, in, in, in many ways, I feel so blessed in this role of Hope Worldwide that I get to go around the world and see great things that disciples are doing, disciples of Jesus serving and helping and loving people in the toughest situations in our world. And that is possible because of you, because of your love, because of your sacrifice, because of your devotion, because of your heart to be like Jesus. And before we get into the scriptures, and I'm excited about what we're going to study, I just want to say to you, thank you. On behalf of the many, many people that receive so much help and so much love in Africa, in Latin America, in Asia, all over the world, thank you. Thank you so much for your hearts. You know, today we're, we're, we're actually going to pick up right where I left off a few months ago when I was here. Um, I have a message on my heart, a message that God has put on my heart, and I feel a burden, a responsibility to share this, because I think it's so incredibly important. Um, as I said, it's a privilege to be able to see what's happening all around the world and what disciples of Jesus are doing to change the world and to make a difference. And you know, one of the first things that was so impacting to me getting into hope was how much is happening all over the world? How many great things? You know, I, sometimes I introduce myself as the CEO of Hope Worldwide, but sometimes I introduce myself as the evangelist of Hope Worldwide because I get to share the good news. I get to share the good news to the poor, but also of what's happening around the kingdom of God in so many nations all around the world. And today I want to share a little bit about the heart of this. The heart of what this is all about. And this is our preparation for communion. I think it's appropriate. I think it's what uh, we should focus on. And, and it's what I am so grateful to all of you for all that you do. And from walkathons to fundraisers to going yourselves to different countries and serving and signing up and volunteering here in your city or around the world. What is the heart of all of this? The heart of hope worldwide. And we're going to do a little study. Our, uh, we're going to jump right in. You know, sometimes you study a book, sometimes you study a chapter, sometimes you study maybe just a couple of verses. Today we're going to study one word. 
one word that I think might be the most important word in the whole Bible. It's certainly one of the most powerful words. Words in the scripture are powerful. The word of God changes hearts, right? It's living and active. The word of God has the power to transform a mind, has the power to change a heart. We've seen the word of God transform us, right? Raise your hand if the word of God has changed your life. I mean, look around. God made all creation with a word. Jesus is the word of God. His word is so incredibly powerful. The heart of our ministry, that Jesus went through the towns and villages teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God and healing every disease. The heart of it, the heart of the mission, is this one word. That's the word. Now here's the crazy thing about that word. As important as this word is, a word that God uses to describe himself in, Deuter in, in Exodus 34, a word that is used over 250 times to describe how God feels towards us, a word that describes some of the most important relationships, the relationship between Adam and God and Adam and Eve and Jonathan and David and Moses and God, the word that is used to describe our relationships, the word that is used to describe how we should relate to God and what our relationship should be. That word, there's actually no translation for it in English. There's no direct translation for it. It's sometimes translated as, oftentimes translated as mercy, sometimes as kindness, sometimes as loyalty, sometimes as steadfast love, as unending love. We sing about it. You know the song we sing, His Love Endures Forever? It's actually this word. In Hebrew, it's hesed. You want to do a powerful word study, study out that word. In Christian literature, it's often hesed, spelled C-H-E-S-E-D, and sometimes spelled H-E-S-E-D. It's a word that we will only scratch the surface, but I think it lies at the heart of everything we do. It's God's description of love. It's how he describes himself as love. But it's not love as we understand it. And it's not love as the world understands it. It's the kind of love that God presents, which some people would call covenantal love. A love that bonds us. The closest, and, 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 and some scholars would argue that the word agape was really, really an attempt to describe this concept of how God loves us. We often understand agape as unconditional love, and certainly that's what this is, right? God's love is unconditional. No matter who you are, no matter what you are, no matter what you've done, God loves you. And you can't change that. 
that alone is incredibly powerful. That no matter what we've done, no matter where we've been, you can't change the fact that God totally loves you. This love, used so often in the scriptures and translated differently, is more than just how God feels about us. It's how everything works. This love is unconditional, but love creates a bond, a connection. We feel it innately. When somebody gives you a gift, what do you feel like you should do? Give them back one, right? Somebody invites you to dinner, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to invite them back, right? Invite, invite them over for dinner. Because love innately creates a bond. It, it's kind of revealed in our, in our language. In Old English, when somebody would do something, we'd say, much obliged, right? That, that meant that I'm out now obligated to you. In Spanish, when somebody does something for you, you recognize the grace they have shown you, so you say, gracias, right? In French, when somebody does something for you, you recognize the, the mercy shown to you, and you say, merci, right? So we, it's, it's, kind of, it's in us. We know it. We get it. When somebody loves us, what do we naturally do? Love them back. We want to love them back. Who do you like to spend time with? The people who love you, right? We don't want to hang out with people who don't love us. And when you blow it, who do you want to turn to? Somebody who doesn't like you and judges you? No, you want to turn to somebody who loves you, right? Somebody who believes in you no matter what. That's God. It's the love that Jesus showed. Yes, it's unconditional. No matter what you do, he loves you, but it has an expectation. It creates a bond between us. It creates an obligation to respond. We feel it. When somebody loves us, we feel the desire to love them back. God designed us this way so that when we come to know and understand his love, we will naturally respond to it and we'll feel that need to love him back. And Micah, this is one of those verses that just kind of sums up everything. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy. But the word is to love hesed. And to walk humbly with your God. So what does God really want from us? What really matters? I mean, of all the stuff that's in the Bible, I mean, there's a lot of stuff in here, right? It's a big book. There's over 613 commandments. Of all the stuff that's in here, what is the sum of it all? What is the sum of the law? What is the final conclusion? What is it that God really wants? What does he want? He wants us to practice hesed. 
He wants us to love back. He wants us, because we are loved, to love him. Because we have been loved, to love each other. It's why Jesus gave a two for one. When they asked what's the greatest commandment, he didn't just say love God. He said love God and love each other. To understand how love works. That it creates this bond. It creates this unity. And I love this scripture because he says he's shown you, O mortal. Actually, the, in the Hebrew, it's not, it's not O mortal. It's, it's Adam. Adam, which literally means dirt person. And it's, and it's, it's a little tongue-in-cheek because, you know, sometimes we kind of get high on ourselves. I'm educated. I'm sophisticated. I'm good-looking. I'm very talented. I'm sharp. You know, we get all these ideas, and we start thinking kind of high about ourselves, and so God says, okay, dirt man. And we said, but I'm nicely dressed, dirt man. I'm well-educated, dirt person. It kind of puts us in our place. He says, okay, dirt person, what is it God really wants of you? What does he really require to act justly? What does that mean? Be fair. If you have two coats and you have a friend that doesn't have a coat, share one with them. If you have and you're around somebody who doesn't have, what? Whatever. Whatever blessings you have, share with those who don't. If you're doing spiritually awesome and you're sitting next to somebody who's struggling spiritually, share with them. If you're living next to somebody who doesn't know God and doesn't know God's love, share with them. If you know somebody who's hungry, share your food with them. It has no boundaries. It's just love. It's not, well, is this what you do spiritually or is this what you do physically? Is this a hope project or is this a Christian project? No, it's just love. You do whatever the need is. It's the way Jesus was. Jesus didn't say from 9 to 12 I'm going to work hope projects and from 12 to 3 I'm going to be Christian and preach the word. It's just his life. He loved and so what really matters? What does the Lord require that we're ju we practice justice, that we love one another, that we respond to love, and that we walk humbly with our God? Another one, one of those, let's sum it all up. This is the bottom line scriptures. For I desire mercy, hesed. It's hesed again. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. This is an incredibly important scripture. It actually presents a theological problem because who required sacrifice? God did. It's like, wait a second, God, what, do you want me to obey the rules or do you want me to love? Yes, is the answer. It's like when, when, when Michelle and I are preparing a couple for marriage, we tell them the rules. This is how marriage works. You have responsibilities, she has responsibilities. This is what you do, this is what she does. Yes, 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 yes. But what really matters? What does the Bible say? Husbands throw out the trash. No. 
Husbands, what? Love your wives. Yeah, there's stuff to do, and it must be done. And this isn't an excuse. It doesn't like, oh, we can just love each other. We don't have to follow the rules. Doctrine doesn't matter. Nope, it does matter. But what really, really does God want here? What's most important? You mean some things are more important than others? Absolutely. What's most important? What's the measure of your faith? What's the measure of our Christianity? Our love. What should we be known for? Our love. Who? The poor? Everybody. The person sitting next to us. The children dying on the other side of the planet. That we love. Well, what if I run out of love? Go refill. Because God is love. And we can refill ourselves. And I'll tell you why this is scripture is so important. Because Jesus quoted it multiple times. Three times he quoted the scriptures. This idea that he desires mercy, not sacrifice. The last time I was here, we read Matthew 9. When Jesus chose Matthew and said, follow me. You remember that? And Matthew was a tax collector. You talk about somebody blowing it. Now, nothing against tax, tax collectors. If anybody out there not, works for the IRS, I'm not slamming you. But we all have issues with tax collectors. But he wasn't just any tax collector. He was a kingdom kid. He grew up knowing the stories. He grew up with weekly family devotionals. And something went wrong and he turned his back on it. And he walked away. He was, by most people's standards, a loser, a failure, spiritually. And Jesus said, I want you to follow me. And Jesus chose him to be on his mission team. Not the guy most people would pick. But because of Jesus' Hesed, because of his love, he saw beyond the hardness, the anger, the bitterness, and reached out to his heart. And of course, people criticized him, and that's when he turns around and tells them, go find out what this means. I desire Hesed. And when Jesus says we better find out something, we better find it out, right? When Jesus said we need to figure out something, we need to figure it out. What does this mean? The second time was in Matthew 12, when Jesus is cutting across a field, and he starts eating some of the wheat. And of course, again, once again, the Pharisees come, and they start criticizing his disciples. Why is your leader breaking the law? Was he breaking the law? No. What's the law? The Sabbath law is to rest. But they had defined it and made specific definitions. That means you can't pick wheat. And your guys are picking wheat, and you're breaking the rules. See, what Jesus understood that they didn't understand, and this is what happens. Religion at its most basic form is a bunch of rules. And most of us, that's where we started, right? What are the rules? 
And that's how most of the world sees religion. What are the rules in your church? Do you guys, are you guys allowed to do this? Are you allowed to do that? Can you wear this? Can you wear that? Can you do this? Can you do that? And at its most base immaturity, it's just a bunch of rules. Are rules important? Yeah, rules are important. When you drive home, please drive on the right side of the road. Don't drive on the left side. People die when we break rules. People die spiritually when we break the rules. The rules are there to help us. But that's not what our religion's about. <laughs> he said he came to fulfill the law. What is the fulfillment of the law? Love. Because when we love and when we get it and when we understand that this is about love, then it's not what must I do, it's what can I do? How can I help? How can I make a difference? Not what do I have to do? And so he told them, go find out what this means. Because this is really important. And then, of course, the last time he says it, he says in Matthew 23, and this is the third time. You remember, we talked about this. The third time, when somebody tells you something the third time, you're usually in trouble. When my mom said something the third time, it wasn't Robert Carrillo. It was Robert Hector Morris Carrillo, levante de los zapatos. And this is the third time Jesus is telling them what's important. And he starts it out with, woe to you, Pharisees and teachers. When somebody starts out saying, woe to you, you're in trouble. He says, you tithe your mint, your dill, your cumin, but you have neglected the more, what? Important matters. Justice. Hesed. mercy, faith, the things that are really important here, the things that really matter. We have to make sure that we're majoring in what's major, not in what's minor. Because this is the cure for the problems of the world. In a world full of division and racial strife and prejudice and social division and hunger and disease that are unnecessary and poverty and problems, this is the answer right here. We don't have to look for, we don't have to look, it's right here. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But we have to get this. And then we understand. When we practice, what is most important? What counts most? And Jesus came and showed it to us and taught it to us. There's a famous story. Very wealthy man. And at a young age, his wife became pregnant. But in the birth of their child, she died. And so it was just he and his son. He never remarried. He never had, of course, any more children. So it was he, him and his son, and his son was everything. He loved his son. But then his son became sick, and his son passed away. And the man lived on, and later he became sick, and he passed away. And because he had no son, and he had no family, had no inheritors, they auctioned off his estate. And at the auction, 
Lots of people came. He had a lot of nice stuff. People wanted it. And so the crowd, the room was full, and the auctioneer began the auction with a painting of the sun. And he said, we'll start with the painting. He said, who will start with $500? Nobody raised their hand. He said, okay, we'll lower it to $300. Nobody raised their hand. $100, nobody raised their hand. $50, a hand went up in the back of the room. It was the gardener. The gardener used to play with the sun. He loved the sun. And so the auctioneer says, okay, sold. So the gardener in the back, $50. And then he closed the books and he said, okay, the auction's over. The auction's over. Everybody was, what? He said, I'm sorry, but the father stipulated very clearly, whoever gets the son gets everything. You see, that's the way it works. If you get the son, you get everything. If you get Jesus, the message he came was to teach us to love God back to love each other. But that's really what our religion is all about. That we love God with all our hearts, minds, soul, and strength. And that we love each other. And not just those who look like us or those who speak our language. Not even just those who have practiced our religion. But all God's children all those that God has given life to. Because he loves all of us. How much he hurts over his children who don't know him. As he told the Pharisees when they criticized Matthew, he said that he didn't come for the healthy. He came for the sick, for the hurting. They need him just as much as we do. They need somebody to love them the way God loves them. And that's our role. And that's who we play. I want to close out with a video that uh, we put together for the conference that we're having. Uh, if we could show that video.
everybody and everybody. Who's interested in learning about helping the poor. And uh, again, I want to say to you, thank you, because you guys really have been a light to the world. You've, for so many years, given sacrificially and helped more people than you'll ever know. You've helped more people than you'll ever be thanked for. But I'm so grateful to you. And on behalf of Hope Worldwide and our board and our staff, we want to express our gratitude to you. And I close out with our vision. And it's based, the theme one day is based on the vision of Isaiah and the kingdom of God. And this is our vision. That one day there will be no more children living on trash heaps, scrounging out a living. That one day there will be no more parents bearing their children who died from dis despair or diseases we already know how to prevent. That one day every family will have a safe home to raise their children and grandchildren. That one day no child will go to bed or go to school hungry. That one day the vicious cycles of abuse will be broken and every child will grow up protected in purity. That one day people all around the world will see Jesus in us as we clothe the naked, feed the hungry, heal the sick, and provide shelter for the homeless. That one day men and women and children from every nation, every race, will help serve and love their neighbors, no matter what their differences. That one day everyone will see God's kingdom as we set the captives free, bind the brokenhearted, and bring hope to the masses. That one day we will separate, that he will separate us from the goats and say, well done, good and faithful servant. What you did for them, you did for me. And that on that day, the Lord will be pleased because the kingdom has come. Let's pray. God in heaven, we thank you for loving us, God. For loving us unconditionally, for loving us and inviting us to know you, to be with you, God. We thank you that we know the only reason this can happen is because Jesus loved us enough to sacrifice himself. And as we take this bread and we drink this cup, God, help us to understand that this is a symbol of your love, God and your commitment to each of us. And we're so grateful for it. And we thank you, God, for the fellowship that you give us that cares and strives to be like you. And we pray, God, that we will reflect your light, that we will reflect your love here in the fellowship, in our cities, in our communities, and around the world. God, I thank you for everyone here. Please bless us and help us, God, to be in communion with you as we drink this cup and eat this bread. And in his name we pray. Amen.